God goes all out to make Himself known in the earth. It's just whether we want to receive Him or not. That's a fancy way of saying you got to know who you are before you can do what you're called to do. And so when we see God, I mean, when we see these things about God and we understand God, the first thing we want to do is, is think God's going to stop me from having fun. And I want you to make the number one pursuit of your life me. Since the creation of man, God the Father has made it his priority to make himself known. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Like Jesus, our purpose is defined out of our identity in Christ. In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason continues the study of what it means to be the church. I want to talk to you about being the church for one more time. And I, I said this now three weeks straight. Since the creation of man, God the Father has made it his priority to make himself known. How many of you think he's done a good job? Amen. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that no man will be able to stand before him and deny the fact that he's tried to make himself known. And so God goes all out to make himself known in the earth. It's just whether we want to receive him or not. And so when we see God, I mean, when we see these things about God and we understand God, the first thing we want to do is, is think God's going to stop me from having fun. And it's just the opposite. You know, if you're full of the Holy Spirit and you know God, you're going to have more fun than you've ever had in your entire life. I never will forget that we were at the country club and, and one of the guys there, a friend of mine named Amos, was the greenskeeper. And uh, I, he'd been there for, with us for a long time. And my mom and dad used to go and dance the club all the time and just had a great time. And, and uh, daddy was always happy. And uh, Amos, uh, I asked Amos, I said, Amos, you ever, you ever quit drinking? He said, no. He said, I have to drink. He said, I like to drink just a little just to be happy like, like Mr. Herman does. I said, Mr. Herman don't drink. Amos' eyes got about that big. He said, you mean he's that happy without alcohol? I said, he's that happy without alcohol. He said, no, nah, you kidding me, aren't you? I said, no, sir, Amos, I'm telling you the truth. My daddy doesn't drink alcohol. Hadn't in years and years and years. And he couldn't get over that. Because daddy just, he'd have so much fun. I want you to know, you can have fun being sober and filled with the Holy Ghost more than anything that you can imagine. And so God not only wants to manifest himself to us, he has a desire to see his people walk in joy. And so when his people walk in joy, that makes him happy. And so he wants a people that make their priority knowing him. And so God said, I'm going to make myself known, and I want you to prioritize in your life, and I want you to make the number one pursuit of your life me. Not somewhere in the deck, not somewhere way down the list. I want to be number one on the list. And so when we make our list, you know, we all know where we're supposed to put God, but we have to ask ourselves in our heart, where does God really fall on the list of priorities? And we can, and we can tell that by the way we spend our time, because that's the most valuable thing that we have on earth is the time that we have here. And so however we spend our time declares where we put God. Now, now, now let me make that clear. Let me make this clear. If you go to work and don't take God with you, something's wrong. And so you get to, the whole time that you're at work, you've got God right there with you. You get to celebrate God, be with God, talk to God, have God right there with you. When you go play, if you don't take God with you, something's wrong. If you can't play when God's present, then you ought not be doing it anyway. Amen? 
And so we want to be sure that our priority is making sure that we have God not only included, but we prioritize Him in our life. And if God says don't do something, then we, we don't need to do it. If He says stop, we need to stop. Let, let me, can I just be real honest with you? I love golf. I love to play golf. I enjoy golf. There was a time in my life I worshipped golf. I mean, I'm just telling you like it is. And I like betting on golf probably more than anybody in the room, except my daddy. He may have liked it as much or more than I do. I love betting on golf. And uh, it, it was never a whole lot of money, but it was just, it was just a challenge and it was, thing. it was just one of those things. And so I never, I never, well, one time, but most of the time I never won or lost more than about $10. That was the total thing. And so it was just the challenge of the, uh, of the, and the competition that was going forth. I, I love doing that. Do what? I never did lose from your perspective, but anyway. <laughs> I loved, I loved, I loved to bet. And if you ask me today, one of the things I miss in golf is not being able to bet. I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. But you know what the Lord told me? He said, it's going to hurt your witness, so I want you to give it up. I'm not telling you to give it up. I'm just telling you what the Lord told me. And so I had to quit betting. It was, it's funny because it wasn't too long after that he told Daddy the same thing. He said, you've got to quit betting on golf. And Daddy wasn't playing but a dollar, dollar, dollar. I mean, three dollars was the most he could win or lose. But God said, it's going to hurt your witness. And do you know that there are people that won't play with you if you won't bet them? That's right, isn't it, Daddy? And so sometimes when the Lord asks you to give up something that you can be a witness, it may cost you some of your friends. It may cost you some of the people that you, that you like to hang around with. But the Lord's saying, if you, will, if you will put me in first place, I'm going to show you so much joy, and I will be the best friend that you've ever had. And so God, God calls us into those places. God our Father wants us to enjoy our relationship with Him. Do you enjoy your relationship with God, or is it a challenge to have a relationship with God for you? You see, because we can't see Him, sometimes we think it's a real challenge to spend time with God. We, we, we think it's almost impossible. Man, we have to fit God in. God doesn't, doesn't want to be fit into your life. He wants to be the priority of your life. Am I making sense to you? And He says, I will pour out joy on you that you can't imagine. He said, at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what he says. He said, I've got so many pleasures, I'll make you so happy. You, you can't imagine, but you need to pour your life out into me. Those, those, those guys in prison, they sitting there, they singing songs. And, and I don't know what they were, they were singing. You know, it may have been one glad morning. When they, I don't have any idea. I kind of doubt it. I think they were just sitting there praising God, saying, I love you, Jesus. You, that's the sweetest name I know. You know, how good, how good is our God? I, I have no idea what they were singing, but they were not upset. They weren't sitting there crying, saying, oh, God, we just pronounced your name, and we're in jail. Oh, God, what happened? You don't want to care anything about us. They'd already gone through that routine in the boat, remember? They'd already done that in the boat. This time they're in there and they're singing songs and they're rejoicing in God. And God said, I will move the mountains for you because you put your trust and your confidence in me. I've read this to you many, many times, but I just can't get over it. Shorter Catechism says, what is the chief end of man? 
And this is the way they answered it. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Woo. Turn to your neighbor and ask, do you enjoy God? You see, there's a difference between religion and relationship. And what most of the we've seen in a church is religion. And that's just to put you under bondage and put you under more laws and more regulations and, and cause you to do things the way a, a preacher or a group of people would want you to do. But God said, I want a relationship with you. I want to be able to speak into your life. I want to be able to, to let you enjoy my presence. He said, I want you to be in a place of enjoyment with me. Let, let me read that to you one more time. He said, the chief end of man, man's, this is what the catechism says, man's chief end, chief goal, chief priority is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Now, if you want to know how you enjoy God, all we have to do is turn to the book of Revelation and we see the four and twenty elders. And the four and twenty elders are sitting there, and this is what I believe is happening, because I had to have a mental picture of this thing. I believe that, that, that the seraphim and the cherubim are sitting up there, and I think God just opens up his coat and just reveals a little more of his light. And every time he reveals just a little bit more of himself, the cherubim and the seraphim, they go off, holy, holy, holy. And the four and twenty elders, they fall down on their face, and they throw their crowns, and they say, he alone is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy. Why? Because he is so glorious and so amazing, they can't stand it. They just go off and praise and they go off and worship because the God of all creation just eternally is revealing who He is. If you are not involved in praising and worshiping and setting aside time, you will never know who God is. That's where the release comes. That's where this, this revelation of who He is and what He's all about. You see, God formed us for pleasure. He formed us in, in a place that we could have divine communion with Him, that we could enjoy fellowship with Him. Most religion is so sterile and so mundane and so boring. Turn to your neighbor and say boring. Instead of, instead of waking up passion in people's soul, it puts them to sleep. God, God is not going to put you to sleep. God said, I'm going to pour out an abundant life on you. God said, I'm going to cause you to have things you never imagined. I'm going to cause you to see things that you've never seen before. I am going to reveal to you my presence. I'm going to reveal to you my glory. I'm going to tell you my name. Everybody here said, I know the name of God. Not yet. Because God is constantly revealing himself. And every time he reveals himself, he falls under a new category and a brand new name. And you can quote all the names out of the Scriptures, and I think there's like 360 of them. You can quote all 360 of them if you want to, but unless you know Him in that capacity, all you're doing is quoting words. God said, I want you to know me. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to understand who I am. Am I making sense to anybody out here today? It's not enough to come to church. It's not enough to put your money in the offering plate. It's not enough to, to do a little bit. It, God said, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want you to release yourself to me. You see, as a, as a, new, as a new creation, we have, a, we have a kindred spirit with God. We have a divine 
We have a divine part inside of us. The Holy Spirit has made us brand new. He says we can connect with God the Spirit, God the, the Father in spirit because we have the Holy Spirit abiding within us. And the Holy Spirit knows all there is to know about God the Father and about Jesus Christ. And He will reveal that to you if you'll just give Him the opportunity. We pray for people, we see them fall out on the carpet, and you know what they lay down, and then they get up in there. They're the same as they were, for they fell down. I could give you two cents for every time somebody falls if they're not changed when they get back up. If they haven't had a revelation of who Jesus is in a greater measure when they fall, they haven't accomplished anything. You see, we sit there and we think people are falling out because of the influence of the Holy Spirit and because, and because when He comes on you just can't stand it. Listen, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he's, he's going to reveal Himself. He's going to heal you and He's going to make you, He's going to bring you into a place of joy. That joy can be expressed through tears. That joy can be expressed through laughter. That joy can be expressed in many, many ways. But I'm going to tell you, you don't just fall on the ground and get up the same way. If you did, tell them come rub your head one more time because you didn't get what God had for you. Amen? And you can rub it till you go bald, it'll be okay. We want what God has for us, and God has a, wants to transform us into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. And I, I have to tell you this, if God's chief aim is for us to enjoy Him, can I tell you, Jesus enjoyed the Father. He had a good time. Somebody said up here the other day, they had saw a picture of him laughing. I've seen that same picture. One of the, my most favorite pictures of Jesus is Jesus laughing. I think Jesus laughed all the time. And I'm going to stun you just a little bit. I think John the Baptist was one of the happiest people that ever lived. I just don't think people went out into the wilderness by the, by the thousands to get beat up on by some preacher. I think they saw something that was alive, that was exciting, and they saw something that was greater than what they had ever seen before. And there was a joy that was about John the Baptist, even in his preaching of repentance, that caused people to say, I need to repent. Amen. Now I'll give it to you, some of the prophets weren't always happy. They had to do some weird stuff. David talked about that being weird. Listen, that's not weird. Tell me to live, run around naked for a month, and that's weird. <laughs> Tell me to cook my food over dung, that's weird. Tell me to lay on my side for a year and then turn over and lay on the other side, that's weird. Okay? But God is not, not, God's not doing that. He's saying, I want to reveal myself to you. Look what he says in Ephesians 5. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now there's so much in there that I could preach, especially on that submitting to one another rather than exalting yourself. But I want to go back to what he said. He said, don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why in the world would he compare wine to being filled with the Holy Spirit? And when I read, read this, i got to tell you, I went back to a, I had a, 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 re, a, a recall of a memory. I had gone to a builder's convention in Sea Island, Georgia. And they had what they called a plantation supper. And you got on this train 
electric train, and you all rode down there. And then they, they, they fixed the food right out there by the, by the sea, and they, I mean, it was good, and they sang, and it, it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful time. Well, a few of the folks imbibed a little bit too much, like they were drunk. And so we got back on the train, and as they're riding back down the train, they are laughing and carrying on, and then they start singing Amazing Grace. And I go, oh, God, I think I'm going to walk. Lightning going to strike this. But that's the picture I got. And when I read that, he said, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, and then when you speak to each other, can't you see two drunks getting together saying, amazing grace? Can you see two people in the Spirit getting together and say, I want to tell you how great my God is. They go, well, let me tell you how great my God is. Well, let's just sing to my God then. Why? Because they're overcome with the power. You see, alcohol has the ability to control your mouth and your actions. How many of you knew that? By experience, don't raise your hand. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has that same ability to come in and control. He said, he said, compared it to wine because he said, wine makes the heart merry. The Holy Spirit makes the heart merry. Whew. He says, so don't get drunk in the wine. Hey, you're going to get drunk. Get drunk in the Holy Ghost. Fill, be filled up to overflowing until the joy of the Lord bubbles up and there's song coming out of you. There's rejoicing coming out of you. There's laughter coming out of you. Amen. Come on. We sing my happy song again. Herman reminded me of a a thing that happened in the old church with a, with a friend of mine named Rob Duncan. We'd been down and been prayed for, and that was when a lot of laughter was going on. And I told Rob, I said, come here, I want to pray for you. Rob didn't want to be prayed for. And so if you remember, the, the uh, aisle kind of went uphill a little bit. And so as I'm walking towards Rob, he's walking backwards. He don't want me touching him. He don't want me to be around him. You know, and he's my friend. And all of a sudden, I get within about three feet of him, bam, he hits the floor. And he's looking up at his wife. He's falling right beside his wife's seat. And she is laughing, not, not with him. She is flat laughing at him, <laughs> laying on the floor. And he looks at her and he says, this is not funny. I can't move. And his wife said, no, it really is funny. You ought to see what you look like down there. And it wasn't long until we had a crowd gather around there, and Rob just did not think that was too hilarious at all. But you know what he got up knowing? Anytime God wanted him to surrender, he could put him on his back. He couldn't move. Laughter and joy. Acts 2.15, Peter comes out. He says, these people aren't drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and my female servants. And in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. You kind of scratch your head. 
if you don't get mental pictures of what's going on, I don't know how you understand this stuff. But here all these people are in the upper room, about 125 of them, and they get to praying. And the next thing they know, the winds of the Holy Spirit, and then at tongues as a fire begin to play. And they're laughing, and they're rejoicing, and they're, they're all talking at one time. You've got 125 people all talking at one time. And the people on the streets are hearing in their own language what's being said in the room. And everybody says, well, they must be drunk as a skunk up there. No, they're happy. They have received the promise of the Holy Spirit, and they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're ex experiencing a freedom that they have never experienced in their life and so they are so filled with joy they don't care what you think they don't care what the people in the in the in the uh, crowd thinks they don't care they have experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit and they are shouting and laughing and rejoicing and carrying on like they were drunk people why because they were excited about the Holy Spirit they were excited about who he was. You see, man was created with this desire to accomplish something. How many of you want to accomplish to live a meaningful life? How many of you really want to live a meaningful life? Man, I do too. I want to live a meaningful life. And so what we have to understand, though, is to live our divine destiny, we have to listen to what the Holy Spirit has said. Like Jesus, our purpose will be, will be released in our identity. That's a fancy way of saying you've got to know who you are before you can do what you're called to do. And too many times we've identified ourselves in ways that God has not identified us. We're not happy where we're working. We're not filled with joy. We're not carrying the Holy Spirit into the place where we're going. We don't realize that we are vessels of the Holy Spirit and every day we've been created to pour out the wine of His presence. We're to create joy. You're going to take dead people and bring them back to life? How many of you think that there was mourning going on when Lazarus came out of the tomb? I don't think so. I think there was a celebration that had taken place. And I believe when Jesus wept, the scripture that said Jesus wept, I believe he wept because the, re the resurrection power and authority, the forgiveness of sins was there, and all of Jerusalem and all of Israel did not recognize that Messiah had already come. And I believe he was weeping because they didn't have what Lazarus was had and what the people there understood, that the joy of the Lord was there in life, and life brought great joy. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus came to bring you life. Boy, he did come to bring us life. And not just an ordinary life, an extraordinary life. And he has to identify you. He has to identify you. Listen, the truth of the matter is, he, the truth of the matter is in, in that old song, he said, if he could do that for such a worm as I, th that was the truth. We were worms. That's not who I am now. I'm a royal priest. I belong to a holy kingdom. I'm special in God's eyes. Turn to your name and say, you're special. You 
You see, if we don't allow the, the Holy Spirit to determine what we're to accomplish in our lives, we won't fulfill that divine destiny. And it's in fulfilling that divine destiny that we get the fulfillment that we're looking for. It's leaving, living that life of purpose. It's living that life of meaning. And you can only do that when the Holy Spirit's there. If you don't allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and to, and to lead you into truth, what you will do is begin to give in to seducing spirits that are all around you. There is such a seduction that's going on in the world right this minute, especially in the United States, that our eyes are, are, are fascinated with everything that glitters and everything that lights up. We just get to look into here and there and here and there and here and there. And then, and then the religious world has tried to copy the, the uh, lifestyle of the worldly world in order to draw people in so that they can, they can attract the soulish realm of them rather than speaking into the spirit of who they are. And God says, but I want to define who you are because I don't want you to, be, to have something that's set up there. Because what happens is you've become that proverbial donkey chasing a carrot. Y'all know how that is. They put it on a stick out in front of him, and the donkey just keeps going after the stick and after, I mean, the carrot and after the carrot and after the carrot and after the carrot and after the carrot until the donkey dies. Then something happens and fouls up, and he gets the carrot. Then the other thing that happens is he realizes that the carrot wasn't worth all the effort he'd put into chasing it anyway. It doesn't satisfy him. That's what happens when we begin to chase the things of the world. We've been studying on Friday nights the book of Hosea. And he said, you've gone whoring. You've gone chasing the things of the world. When you go chasing the things of the world, God said, you might as well be paying a prostitute to come sleep with you because that's the way it's viewed in my eyes. Wow. He said, I didn't create you for that. I didn't create you for vainglory. I didn't, ch I didn't create you to chase a carrot. I'm going to tell you to stop chasing carrots and start chasing after God. Let your heart be filled with that. That was Pastor Eddie Mason, Senior Pastor at Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. Please join us every Sunday morning. For service times, location, and other information about the church, visit us at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. Once again, thank you for listening, and may God bless and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.